0: And welcome into the latest RinkWise podcast presented by New England Hockey Journal, Siemens Media, produced by the great David Yaz. I am your host, Evan Marinovsky, alongside New England Hockey Journal writer, Patrick Donnelly. Pat, how you doing? We're doing good. Trying to
1: wait until the playoffs, another week.
0: Are you, so this is your first foray in this. I remember last year being, it was a whirlwind year because it's, Your your busy time of year is relatively short compared to a college season and definitely compared to a pro season Were you have you been kind of surprised at how fast this has gone.
1: Yes and no, it still feels like there's a long way to go, but it's also man, I feel like just yesterday I was doing preseason rankings, so a little bit of both.
0: I agree. I am at that point too where I'm like oh there's still so much left in terms of two weeks left in the regular season, playoffs, and then kind of the 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 aftermath, kind of making everything make sense. You also have the yeah. MIAA which ends in late March for the really good teams. So that it's it's interesting. It it but it does fly and then It's so interesting. It's funny because it's a nice break after and then like festival comes around you're like, Oh, it's great to have hockey back. But then when the, when, when prep and high school start up next November and next December, like I remember being at a prep game, the first prep game of the year this year with Rivers and Sebs. And I'm like, man, nothing beats this. Like no hockey throughout the rest of the year beats this time of year. And I think most people would agree with me. It's not always the best on best competition, but it's always the most intense. So yeah, um, it's been a fun year. It's been it's it's been enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. So, um, on this episode, we want to dive into. We're gonna do a lot of prep with MIAA playoffs starting. We actually are gonna have two different preview episodes the next two weeks on prep and the playoffs for that, and then we're gonna do look at we're gonna do a look at the MIAA bracket. Uh, the week after that, early that week. So we're going to spend a lot of time, though, with prep in this episode because it is winding down quickly, and there is less time left in prep, so we're going to dedicate most, if not all, of this episode to that. And we want to look at the Elite Eight favorites and and some teams who might sneak in and sort of how the landscape is looking in the Elite Eight. And we'll start with the girls, Pat, because that's your thing. Right now, Nobles is number one. Williston yeah. is right behind it at two, but Phillips Andover is, is quickly sneaking in.
1: Yeah. Philip Andover's on a really big run here. So I'll just run through one through eight really quick in the elite eight. You got Nobles, Williston, Andover, Deerfield, Loomis, Kent, Tabor, who's also on a run and St. Paul's. And then you still have your teams in the mix at the tops of each large and small school tournament. Choate, Westminster, even Thayer, and then Groton and New Hampton still hovering around. But Andover, I mean, fresh off a one-to-one tie with Nobles, who Nobles has tied three of their last four, I believe. Kind of like last year's Bruins, just get me to the playoffs. Please, get me in. (laughs) Yeah, Andover, let's see here, is unbeaten since January 17th. The tie last night ended a 10-game win streak, I believe. So they are as hot as it gets. They just tied Nobles one-to-one, as we said, beat Wilson one-to-nothing. Big revenge game from last year's Elite Eight Final, too, where they lost. Some of these other wins, New Hampton, quality win, Tabor, Deerfield, BB&N's been really hot, too. And then just some of the other ones, like Cushing's been pesky, even though they haven't really grabbed a lot of headlines this year. Let's say the same thing about AP and Milton. Never really any easy wins, but some big-time wins in this streak. And we sort of talked about Andover being in a bit of a funk at like last month especially with some of their bigger hitters at the U18 Worlds. But everyone's back, everyone's healthy, everyone's rolling. Sarah Powers is having an awesome year. I believe she's leading Andover and, and has already bested her totals from last season. But, you know, obviously the Avrils and Molly Boyle will grab the headlines. But what I've really been impressed with when I've seen Andover this year is sort of that, like, next wave of the foot soldiers. Sarah Powers, Peyton Kennedy, Lily McInerney, They've just been kind of playing to their identity really deep and just sort of just wreaking havoc every time they're on the ice.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised Andover's kind of back in the mix. I would expect them. I mean, it seems like they're getting hot. I mean, they got everybody back at the right time. That feels like a team that's going to challenge those top two in Nobles and Williston when the the tournament comes around. I mean, like... Again, I don't want to look too far ahead because we're going to do a playoff preview next week. But I would love to see a Nobles Williston Elite Eight Championship. I, I just think that the storylines, dynasty versus <clears throat> the new guard versus the old guard with Tom Reeser, I think that would be a phenomenal, a phenomenal showcase of talent and yeah. just two heavyweights going mano a mano. I think would be awesome. But and I'm not trying to disparage any other team. I just that's the matchup I'd want to see. I think I had that as my preseason matchup. In terms of the other tournaments and teams sneaking into the Elite Eight, do you foresee any of Choate or Broughton or any other team kind of meandering their way in in these final weeks?
1: I would say at this point, the two I would give the edge to are probably Choate and Westminster. Um, mm-hmm. At least as far as the last couple of weeks have gone, they've been the ones who have kind of been hanging around seven and eight in and out with Tabor and St. Paul's groton was in there maybe last week one of the before the scores turned over um i mean so i would say groton probably has a better chance than New Hampton, who i believe is better than when the rpi um but groton still has two more wins as opposed to a few more ties and but choate they have the rest of the way because they just fell to williston but they beat loomis and then the rest of the way they have taft hotchkiss and cushing again no easy wins but if you can rattle off three in a row there, you're probably in good shape. And Westminster has Kent on the schedule, who Kent should be pretty good to make it, but Westminster has Berkshire and Lawrenceville left. Um, so all it takes is 2-1, and 3-0, and oh, and you could be right back in there, especially where I mentioned Tabor's on a bit of a run, but they've been pretty volatile in the second half. I know offense has been kind of hard to come by. They're obviously really good on defense. They've won five in a row, seven of eight. And I say scoring has been hard to come by, but they've scored six goals in two of their last four games. They added four in a, another one. So, I mean, they have Nobles, but then they have St. George's and Berkshire. So, assume, barring disaster, they could be in pretty good shape. So, I, I would say if you're looking at a Choate, a Westminster, or a Groton, you're going to need help from from others. And mm-hmm. you're going to need to also pretty have a basically perfect week.
0: I was going to say it's tough for a lot of these teams, even on the boys' side, who are outside looking in in the final week or two because you can win all your games. It doesn't always matter. It comes down to you need the teams above you to falter. And sometimes that happens, and that's exciting for us, but it doesn't always happen. Um,
1: Yeah, I I would also look at St. Paul's at eight. They've lost two in a row. Tabor, Mm -hmm. 2 nothing, and then Exeter was a tough one because Exeter's had a really tough second half after they were in the picture in the first half. But they lost to Exeter one nothing, Tabor 2-0, and they finish with, they have just one more against Proctor. So even the St. Paul's win doesn't necessarily mean they're safe, especially if any of those three or four teams on the outside have an undefeated week.
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked by that either. And this leads to my next thing with you. We've talked a lot about Nobles and Williston, and I imagine in the next couple weeks we'll write and talk about them a lot more. And we can get into them a little bit more in this episode, but... In terms of the, like, we're we're recording February 15th, and you, you said it. Nobles, Williston, Andover, Deerfield, Loomis, Kent, Tabor, St. Paul's. That's the Elite Eight as of February 15th, according to USHR's playoff uh, yep. seedings. Of those five through eight teams, right, Loomis, Kent, Tabor, St. Paul's, do you see a team in there that could make a run that could potentially upset a higher seed? I mean, a five beating a four isn't always, like, the craziest yeah. upset but it's still an upset is there any team in there that you see as a, an upset contender
1: I think Loomis for sure they have the win over and over this year at the Auden tournament they have some other really quality wins whether it's Westminster they've beaten Tabor they've beaten Kent they've proven probably to be the best of that secondary grouping and even their loss to Deerfield was tight two to one mm-hmm. they've beaten Choate so I would say Loomis is I think maybe the deepest offensively and just the track record this season, probably the best of the rest. I mean, Tabor, it's tough to count out because they're always, they're just always hanging around. And we talked about how, like, yeah, scoring's been a little up and down in the second half, but their defense is so good, especially with Adeline Peskowski and Caitlin Sullivan, which are two of the very best in the NEPSAC. So we talk about defense and goaltending, how important it is in the postseason, and that, that could be the X factor for Tabor. I don't, Kent's really interesting because they just haven't played as many games as the rest. They have 10 wins. They're 10, three and two. You're looking at the rest of the elite eight. You got obviously Nobles is 20, but then 17, 15, 16, 17. They haven't, they just, it's, they're tough to get a gauge on because of how short their schedule has been. And they had a really, they had a tough stretch kind of around the holidays and started January one, three and two. They were one and three to start January losses to Loomis and Wilson, which obviously if you lose to Loomis and Wilson. Nobody's really upset. Yeah, with you but they're they're just an interesting interesting to try and get a read on especially where i haven't seen them this year because obviously the cancellation with nobles never happened again right
0: Um, (laughs) yeah happened so yeah and and so it's interesting we talk a lot about games at the end of seasons and i had this thought i was watching brunswick and salisbury on the boys side on wednesday night And Brunswick won four to three. Brunswick came back in the third period, scored two, scored four straight goals to win. It was a big win. And it's interesting because if the Elite Eight began on Wednesday, those two teams were a four and five. They would play each other in the Mm -hmm. Elite Eight quarterfinals. And I remember last season, I was at both games. Milton played Belmont Hill. Like, I think it was around now, this time last year. And Milton embarrassed him. Like, just... Crushed them. I think it was like seven to two. It was six to two or something. It was a big win for Milton. And it basically solidified their standing as hosting a Elite Eight game come the quarterfinal. And who did they host in the first round in the quarterfinal? But Belmont Hill. And Belmont Hill went in with an agenda and crushed them. And they're rivals. So you have to take that into consideration. But I do always kind of worry. And again, maybe I'm wrong about this. But I always worry about those teams that get wins at the end of at the end of the season over a team they could play in the elite eight. And I know you yeah. can't like intentionally lose because that, that you don't do it like that. But you sort of light a fire under those teams, and you can never know. You right, like you don't know what the seeding is going to be, so you can't like take a game off. I'm not advocating for that, but it's just kind of how chance works. And so it's interesting to hear you say like. Um, Uh, Loomis had that win over Andover, I think you said, um, earlier in the season. And it kind of hits at the point of like, can they do it again? You know, can you repeat that potentially against a team as good as Andover? It's funny because I had once had a boys coach say to me who's on an Elite Eight team that's – or a team that's always uh, in the mix for the bottom of the Elite Eight, top of one of the other tournaments. Mm -hmm. And he was saying how like we're always good enough to win one Elite Eight game but are we good enough to win three straight in the span of like five days? And I think yep. that's the dilemma that all five or the four back half of the elite eight teams have both boys and girls. Can you win three games like that in the span in such a short span? And I think with the girls, it's especially true because nobles Williston and I kind of put in their own tier. So it does, yeah. I think become tougher for those other teams.
1: Yeah, I agree. And especially like where, Again, where some of maybe some limited schedules, especially for Kent, where like haven't really played that. Or, like, obviously, they played Tabor, Andover, obviously, Westminster, Loomis, and Wilson. But, you know, aside from like Choate in the last month of the season, you're of like Elite Eight caliber teams, you're really only seeing Choate and Westminster. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like that battle tested mentality, sort of. And then, even then, like when you look at, Elsewhere, you have Andover beating Williston. Where like Andover had that game on their calendar since the the moment the season ended last year, losing to yep. Williston in the title game. Like you, so I mean, it's like we talked about bulletin board material. Where even even if it hasn't been that season, memories are long.
0: They are, and I think that's one of the things on the girls' side because a lot of these teams, Nobles and Williston have a history. Williston and andover have a history. And then you've tea some of these other teams at the bottom of the elite eight that want to get in. So yeah, I mean,
1: I, I, even yeah. if nobles and say St. Paul's sticks in as the eighth seed, they get nobles first. St. Paul's lost to nobles in the Harrington title game. I think they lost to him again recently. Really going to let a team beat you twice in one season that's um, the thing. Yeah.
0: So that's the thing. It's hard. Ho- again, it's hard to lose to it. A- it's hard for. Two good teams to play each other, and that team to win two or three times in one year. It's like, it's and like BC, it, exactly. Yeah, okay, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. But let's switch to boys quickly, or for a, a while. Let's do boys for a little while. Yeah. So as of today, again, February fifteenth, we're recording. Uh, Elite eight, Kimble Union one, Cushing two, Avon three, Brunswick four, Salisbury five, Holderness six, Saint George's seven, and Nobles at eight. <laughs> In terms of the teams at the top, I think Kimball Union is the best team in the region. I've said this multiple times. I saw Cushing play Brunswick at UConn, by the way. I've, I'd never been to the new UConn rink. Oh, yeah. Heck of a rink. Heck of a rink. That's a re- That's a perfect place to watch a college hockey game. There's not a lot of seats. It's like you feel like you're on top of the action. There's yep. a lot of concourse room. There's a lot of windows, so you get the good lighting that's a great rank and there's a lot of parking too so i was a fan of that rank really good rank but i saw cushing there played brunswick and cushing was the better team at five on five for sure but with cushing it's interesting because they have such a talented roster and they're deep like i people are always asking me like is the cushing team better from last year or this year and I've said this, I think, on this podcast before. Cushing last year, I think, had the better overall players. Like they had the more the, the star power, Landon Resendez, Ethan Gardula. I think they had a little more of that last year. I think they're mm-hmm. deeper this year. I think that they have. I mean, you they can run any four of their forward lines. They can run any seven of their defensemen, and they usually, a lot of times, have a mismatch. They can, and, Billick and Nett is, I would say, definitely a top three goalie in prep, if not the top one. I think it's. Him, probably Ryder Shea from St. George's, and Sam Caulfield from Milton. If I'm missing any, I might be missing some people, but just off the top of my head, those three come to mind. But Kimball Union is... I just... I put a little above Cushing. Because Kimball Union, star players are a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Sadowski and LeDrew and Simmers have been outstanding. O'Sullivan and McMinn on the back end. That's a... like... Kimble, I saw Kimball Union play Holderness. I've seen Kimball Union at other times this year, and they just kind of have it. They just have it. And so I would put Kimball Union slightly above Cushing in, in, in that. I just think if I got to win one game yeah. and it's between those two teams, my gut says Kimball Union. Now, Pat, here's the tough part. Starting Friday, February 16th and the 17th, Cushing and KUA play back to back. One game at KUa, one game at Cushing. I will be. I plan on being at the Cushing game. That's a big test. I'm fascinated to see what happens because if Cush if they split, then it's like okay, don't really know who the better team is unless it's like one game's a blowout and the other's close and the other team narrowly pushes through. But if one team wins both games, it goes back to what we just said, right? Like if Cushing wins both those games or KUa wins both those games, if they play each other in the in the Elite Eight. Is that team who lost both of those games? Are they going to lose again? So I think that's something we got to consider with that matchup, right?
1: Yeah, and I know like a, a question I would ask you, and the schedule is is the schedule you you can't control that. But you've talked about the lakes region and kind of being a little top heavy this year with uh, KUA and Holderness. Do you worry about strength of schedule for Campbell Union?
0: I do. I definitely, there's that part of it. And the numbers can be inflated on some of these players, right? Like Sadowski has 71 points in 30 games. That is. Holy cow. I, there has not been a. I, I, so I need to go back and do the research on this. And I don't think there was a 60 point getter in prep since, God, it was pre pandemic. I think it was like either 1819 or 1920. It's been that long since there was a 60 point getter. 70 is probably even longer, or it's around the same time. But. You know, Sadowski has 71, LeDrew has 60. Some kids from Holderness, like Van Wee and Mera, I think, they're 53 and 51, so they're not quite at 60 yet. Um, Sadowski and LeDrew have been dominant. So this is where the Lakes region thing comes in. Because Sadowski and LeDrew together, and Simmers as well, I don't want to leave him out, have been dominant. But you're right. They have also, like, again, when you're playing and I don't mean to be disrespectful. When you're beating St. Paul's ten to nothing, and you're beating Tilton fourteen to six, and Vermont Academy seven nothing, and Brewster Academy eleven to one, that you're going to inflate the numbers. Like that's what happens. I'm not saying I'm not taking anything away because Sadowski still put up a four point game against Holderness. Um, the first time they played, he had a great game against St. Andrews College. So I'm not saying that. But you're right. I mean, playing those teams doesn't battle test you as much as a Cushing who will play a Brunswick or or teams like that. Now, in terms of confidence, KUA is going to go in with as much confidence oh, yeah. as anybody because they know they can curb stomp whoever they'd like because they've done that all year. So I think it works against them at times. Like for this three-week stretch, or for excuse me, for this th- three-game stretch when the Elite Eight starts and they've got to play, I mean, let's just, looking at the seedings now, Nobles on wednesday and then i don't know salisbury holderness or st george's on 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 saturday and then another team on sunday it's not easy but yeah i mean i think that is potentially where Cushing could have an advantage over a team like KUA. is is that
1: yeah um very quickly i found the last time there was a 70 point score oh who was it and what year was it 2019 20 there were four wow you had marcus i i hope i'm not butchering this joe Jofin, j-o-u-g-h-i-n that New Hampton had seventy nine points. Oh my god. Si- sixty three assists. That's incredible. <laughs> uh, there were a lot to, of
0: teammates who loved him that year.
1: Yeah. Thomas Mazura at Kimball Union, seventy three, sixty assists. Wow. Sullivan Mack at KUA had seventy, forty four goals. Wonder who He's was feeding gone. him the puck. <laughs> oh um god. and then Danny uh Chicarello at St. Mark's seventy points. 29 goals and then you had two more in the 60s you had alex jeffries with 69 it was his second year in a row with at least 60 points he had 30 33 goals then you had isaac mcleod at new hampton had 65 points 39 goals again wonder who was feeding him the puck
0: a lot of lakes Um, region though that's interesting i didn't i didn't know that
1: um i'll I'll just double check here make sure there wasn't one after the pandemic but because i went back pre-pandemic like you said but quite an offensive year
0: it was and, and and it used and like you go back even further the year that uh Jay think it was Jay O'Brien was like it there i think he had like 80 or something just bananas yeah. and i think that's a whole other topic and that's why like it's interesting with Sadowski putting up as many points as he, as he has he is an nhl draft prospect i think he's lower ranked in central scouting i think he's our 12th ranked locally but if he continues to produce like this i know there are a lot of teams who are looking at him going huh that's a lots a lot of points is this, is he worth a sixth or seventh round pick? So I think that's going to be an interesting thing with him. But yeah, in terms of the the teams themselves with KU, I think KU is going to enter with a ton of confidence, even with that tough schedule. I, it's interesting. Holderness also kind of suffers from like, oh, they kill everybody because they're in the lakes region. Now Holderness lost to KUA twice. They've been swept by them. I was at the first game. I was not at that second game at Holder, at KUA when KUA beat them 2-0 last weekend. But I think Holderness lost to KUA twice. They did beat Cushing, but the schedule is not as difficult as mm-hmm. some others. And you know what? That's, I mean, that's, I guess, partially on them. I think you do want to play some teams outside of your conference, which they have. They go to the Lawrence Groton tournament, but it's also not their fault in that it's not their fault that teams in the Lake re- Lakes region had down years this year. Yeah. Like, your that's not, is your schedule, your no? schedule, your schedule, your division's your division, your uh, It's the same with the MIAA. Yep. Um, So it's not their fault. It's not Tim Whitehead and Alan Thompson's fault for scheduling Tilton when they're in their division. So I don't hold that against them, but it does play against them, I think, sometimes when it comes to comparing them with other teams. In terms of some of the others in the Elite Eight that are interesting, I've talked a lot about St. George's as a team that I think could make some noise. They would be slated to play Cushing if the Elite Eight began today. And I think St. George is going to be a tough out. Ryder Shea is a great goalie and out with something to prove. Had a down year last year. St. George's had a really down year last year as a whole. They're big. They're a big team. And I think in a one-game elimination playoff type atmosphere, sometimes those big guys can wreak some havoc. And I wouldn't; it would not shock me if St. George's upset a team in the first round. I think that they, Ryder Shea gets hot. They 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 move the puck well. I've mentioned this before, so I don't want to repeat myself. But they're they. I think to me they're the elite eight sleeper team in that bottom tier, and they get an Avon like Avon. Technically, has not lost a game in regulation yet this year. Big game coming up on Saturday against Salisbury, which is kind of their last big test before things kick off for the playoffs. But I, to me, I, I think Saint George's could upset someone. Another team. Pat, who's back in the mix? You know who? You know who is back from the dead? What's I? I'm not into back wrestling. from the jinx. Yeah, back from the jinx. They've they've well, not quite yet. They're not quite back from the jinx yet. But remember that it's like a gif that people always tweet of the wrestler coming out. Yeah, of the, the Undertaker. The Undertaker. Yeah, I'm not a wrestling guy, but the Undertaker. That's oh, like yeah. Sebs. Yeah. So Sebs in the last bit here. Sebs had a really rough stretch. They lost to Andover seven six in overtime back on January seventeenth. They lost, they tied Thayer and they lost to Tabor. I thought, you know, at the end of January, I was like, all right, they're probably done. Like, they're probably going to be a low seed in the large school or in the large school, and we'll see what happens, but kind of go off the radar. Ever since, it's been good. Beat Milton, beat St. Mark's, beat a very good Belmont Hill team, beat a very good Lawrence team, and beat Tabor. And they're winning with a lot of goals. Teddy Mutran's back. That offense seems to be churning. And they are the ninth seed right now. They're right outside the Elite Eight. Now, it's so unfortunate that Nobles and Sebs don't play again. They've already, they've gone one and one. They've already played this year. But it would be awesome if they were playing in the final weeks. They are not. It's interesting, though, because Sebs could sneak in. They, like, they are right there in terms of um, RPI. Nobles is .5744. Sebs is .5751. I don't know why Sebs isn't above them, just going off that. I don't understand the whole algorithm. Yeah. It comes down to matchups, so there's other little things in it that, you know, we can't see. But Sebs could make a final run. And if Sebs got in, again, I'm dying on this hill. I am dying on this hill, Pat. If Sebs got in, I think they could make a run because they've been splitting Pele Russo and Cam Karkner. Net Cam Karkner, by the way, congratulations to him, just committed to Middlebury College to to play there. If they got in, I think they're a hard out. That's a great, that's a freaking dynamite offense. And again, they have something to prove. They're getting hot. If they sneak in as an eight seed and they play KUA in the first round, that's an interesting matchup. I don't pick Sebs. It would be hard to pick Sebs over KUA. But that's a very interesting matchup that if that did take place, I think that would be pretty that could be that could be pretty seismic to the whole to the whole bracket. So
1: Yeah. And even like when you talk about the offense where like that's the explosiveness that you want, dude. You could just pop off in any moment in a single elimination type of atmosphere. The thing that would worry me about that though would be when like you see this in MIAA and then even a little bit in prep, like when teams rotate the goalies and it comes down to one game. Who do you go with? That's the thing. That's that's, that's the problem. That's what worries me because there's always, like, whether it's – I mean, the players, like, wouldn't second guess, but, like, there's always a little bit of doubt. Did you pick the right one?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, oh, my God.
1: Yeah. yeah. So that always – Like, even, like, Bruins or Franklin was rotating their goalies and he had burns and lost 6-1 to one to Marshfield, pulled the goalie in the third period. So –
0: yeah, I mean, Karkner's been better than Russo this year, numbers-wise, like a 928 yeah, yeah. percentage for Karkner, 206 GAA. Russo struggled at times. I know that Karkner kind of took over for a bit. I and mean, good to see Russo kind of get back in the mix and, and playing all right of, of late. But again, it just kind of hits that I agree with you. Like, are all the questions answered come the playoffs? Do you know who your goalie's going to be? Do you trust your defense? Is your offense going to show up? I, I yep. think those are all valid questions, and I think Seb's playoff history is not anything special we talked about that a lot in the magazine story and we thought all right this team's going to be the one to do it they still could i mean you have the you have the seniors you have the firepower like but to me that's a team that that's kind of the makings of an upset team they could get bounced in the first round quickly i mean they they could that could easily happen but i think it's just as possible as they make a run or at least upset a team or two so to me if i'm a top seed in the in the elite eight I'm kind of hoping Sebs doesn't make it because I think Sebs just has that sort of makeup. Nobles is a good team. I'm not like, I think Nobles is great. Tyler Bloomfield also recently committed to Hamilton College. So congratulations to him. Good goalie, good team. I just don't think they have the same firepower that Sebs does. Maybe a little more structured, which I think helps probably a little bit better (laughs) in net. But I, I think going up against a KUA team, I would take Sebs. Over Noble's in terms of beating K U A. Um, but again, Noble's Kyle O'Leary, Teddy McCoslin, Dennis Davidson, like they have a good forward group. They've got a reliable D So I mean it wouldn't surprise me if they snuck if they got in. Because like Noble's mm-hmm. the rest of their schedule is what is it? Today's the fifteenth. They have Belmont Hill on on Friday, which is a big game. Governors, and then Milton. So if they take care of business, they should probably stay in. But that's not a guarantee that they're going to take care of business because Belmont Hill is a, a good team. In terms of other teams that could sneak in, like Lawrence Academy is on the cusp. They're a good team. Seniors, I still don't get how Owen Leahy's not committed anywhere yet. 45 points to 23 games. Patty, I don't I don't think you've seen Lawrence yet this year. Day Owen Leahy plays every team should want an Owen Leahy. Guy who just Goes to the dirty areas. He's not flashy, but he just gets the freaking job done. And do you remember that episode of type Seinfeld? Of kid that
1: thrives in college.
0: Yes. A type of kid that you want in like your bottom six in college. Like a f- like,
1: four-year player. Probably yep. be like a top sixer by his senior year. Like, yes. Like, obviously going off like my BU experience, but like Patrick Curry, that type
0: of player. Perfect. Yep. That's, that's exactly it. Remember that episode of Seinfeld? You, you'll, you'll enjoy this, and hopefully our our listeners who love Seinfeld will get this. The episode where Kramer starts working at Brent Leland, and Jerry's like, what do you do all day? Yeah. And Kramer's like, ah, TCB, taking care of business. Like, Owen Lay, <laughs> he just takes care of, t- takes care of business. That's all he does. Yeah. And he works hard, and he's got a high compete, and I'm surprised that he does not have a commitment yet. I think one's going to come at some point, I would think, the way he plays, but... They're a team that could get in. They have Brendan Hirsch, Spencer Hirsch, Sean Leary on D, um, you know, Colin Beliveau and Nett. So they're a team that could maybe sneak in right now in terms of the JSPR, which kind of like ranks the the teams for the Elite Eight. Dexter is number 10. Dexter is an interesting one because Dexter kind of struggled at the start of the year. They've sort of turned it around of late, but they also have lost to Andover and New Hampton. I think they 've lost two of their last three, so they 've turned it around in the second half, but they 've had their ups and downs, so I probably see them not making it being in one of the other tournaments so but there would be another one that I think you, you got to kind of watch in these in these final two weeks, so we 'll see Berkshire also is another very pleasant surprise Berkshire uh, I remember writing about last year when Kevin Seapiel... Uh, Was announced to take over for Dan Driscoll, and I remember Kevin just being like, "We the the sky's the limit. There's so much we can do at Berkshire, and they've done that. They're 18 and eight, third school, third seed in the large school tournament. So they're on the cusp. And Canterbury's had a really good season too. I would, Mm -hmm. I predict they're probably going to still be the number one seed. Excuse me, in the small school. So yeah, I think that's that's sort of the the rundown of of for boys prep." Do you have any, like, observations or questions on on that stuff?
1: No, I mean, everything that I sort of brought up, up, whether it was strength of schedule or even with Seb's goalies, it's kind of everything I had.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, Salisbury, I guess, is another team I want to kind of touch on real quick. I was not super impressed with them at the Floodmar. They have gotten really hot in the second half, which is, again, Andrew Will's teams love finding themselves in the second half. They lost a tough one to Brunswick on on Wednesday, but they I would say they controlled the first two periods. Salisbury looked really good, very structured. Brunswick just brought it. And that's what I think about Brunswick is I think Brunswick's a day school. So for Brunswick to get in to the Elite Eight as a top seed is very impressive. And it's impressive when they can go out and almost beat Cushing and beat Salisbury and beat schools that recruit from outside of their area and have boarding students um, but they're like Brunswick is just so scrappy and they just, they're resilient. They don't give up. And that's why to me, like we'll do our projections at some point, our predictions, excuse me, for the elite eight, when the time comes around of what we think will happen and we'll do predictions each round, but Brunswick's going to be a tough out and they were a tough out last year, but that's their makeup. Mike Kennedy has them like that. And then you have Salisbury though with Andrew will, and they're a tough out. So, like, to me, it goes back to what I mentioned earlier. Excuse me. I'm getting over a cold. It's, like, in my chest right now for some reason. I guess I'm talking too much. It goes back to what I just said earlier about with the girls of teams playing late in the season. Brunswick beat Salisbury late in the year. Brunswick kind of embarrassed them a bit, came back, had them blow their lead in the third period. That's Mm going to be in Salisbury's head come the playoffs. If the Elite Eight stays the same, which it might not, Cushing plays Kimball Union this weekend – Avon plays Salisbury. We'll see what happens with the bottom seeds. But if it did stay the same, you know, can Brunswick win two in a row against Salisbury? Salisbury's a good team. I don't, Like, it's hard to beat Salisbury twice in a year. So that's kind of where I go back to, like, it's, it's dangerous with those end-of-season games. Can't avoid them, but they're there. So, yeah. I think we've kind of hit on all of it with the Elite Eight. I think we've done a good Elite Eight look at all these teams. So next week we're going to do, with Prep, We'll do a prep preview, girls and boys. We'll look at, right before the brackets come out, we'll look at kind of how the tournaments are looking and we'll kind of discuss some of the teams, especially in the large and small school because we didn't touch on them as much in this episode. And then we're going to have a full MIA podcast coming up soon as well where we discuss the brackets, how it's looking, and we'll dive deep on that. So I know a lot of MIA, MIA listeners are probably not real they're like talk about miaa we will we promise we're gonna do a lot of miaa talk but we wanted to kind of take some time to look and take a deep dive on the elite eight but before we go pat as always we we can't leave without our great oh, yeah. producer david yaz doing overtime
2: overtime Yes, welcome back to Overtime. And last week, as a special edition of Overtime, we did a fancy hockey draft of celebrities, you'll recall. You both lost somehow. But it it was a lot of fun, and so I thought, can we do another draft? And in a manner of speaking, this will be a draft, or if you prefer, a chirp-off. We're going to have you pick from the greatest hockey chirps ever. So you guys know what a chirp is, right?
0: Oh, oh, of yeah. course, yes.
2: <laughs> and I think most of our listeners do as well. So the way this is going to work is round one, there'll be five rounds of this. You get five chirps each, okay? And you will get to pick from a selection of chirps, which I've put on the screen here. And Evan, you get to go first. So round one, if you need to chirp to a player who has a full face shield helmet, what would you say, Evan?
0: All of these are so good that in the heat of a moment of a game, I don't know if I could remember an entire sentence like this. But "nice fishbowl, you find Nemo yet?" is a great one. So that exactly. <laughs> that's how when you when you give out a chirp, you imagine the laugh track in the background. Something like that, that. That's a good one, though. That's, that's like a, that's you know, a good one. it makes you self conscious. Yeah. That's the point of a chirp.
2: That's right. <laughs> that's right. All right, Pat. You've got two remaining to choose from on the board.
1: So I'd, I'd never heard of the Nemo one before. That's funny because I always like to try and get a laugh out of the, out of my teammates when I was chirping. I got to go with the tried and true. Roll your window down. Can't hear you.
2: Good one. That, that's, good one. A that's a classic. That is a very good one. All right. Round two. If you need to chirp to a goalie, what would you say? I've got three on the board here. Pat, you get to go first this time.
1: Oh, I think this one's easy. The coupons.
2: I've got coupons to save more than you.
0: <laughs> yeah! yeah.
2: Good one. The crowd. Crowd likes that one. Evan, your turn.
0: The Titanic line's killer. You're like the Titanic. You look good until you hit the ice. I mean, that is a great – I'm all – I am all for comparing players on the ice to tragedies in human history. So I am very pro Titanic line. That's a good one.
2: All right. We've got three rounds left. This is where it gets exciting because you can pick from anything on on this list – And the video, YouTube viewers can see them all. The home listeners for podcast, you're just going to be kept in suspense. So we'll go back to you, Evan. Round three, deliver a chirp to your opponent.
0: Oh, there's so many. God. Uh, I guess a good one is actually, hey, man, can I borrow your hands? I need a stone for my skates. I think that's a good one. That's the stone hands. I like that. That's good. I like that.
2: All right. Pat. Your turn.
1: Mm, I'm going to go with my Jack and Coke gets more ice than you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that, Did you that come up is, with these? That, yes? A, no, no, no. These are called from various sources on the internet, and certain chirps have been re- removed in the interest of decorum. My um, podcast. That's right. It okay. Is. That's also that's,
0: wh- another good one real quick. You're going to make a great coach someday. The worst players always do. That's a, that is a, Like, it would take some real thinking.
2: Why are you going out of order, Evan? All
0: Oh, oh, we have more. Okay.
2: Yes. Well, well, that'll count for your next one. So, well done. Yeah. (laughs) Kids like that one. All right. Yeah. Which one did you say? Say that one again, Evan.
0: I said you're going to make a great coach someday. The worst players always do.
2: That's a good one. (laughs) Okay. Pat, your turn. And then you'll each have one. I'm
1: I'm between two. I'm going to go another, like, classic that... You can't really, nobody really has an answer for, but does your coach know you're out here? <laughs> yeah. like, that's how, how did they let you, how did you get out of here? How,
2: that, like, that's good for a face-off for a too. You just, yeah. just put your mug right in his mug and say, there's oh, no, no
1: response to that. Nobody has a comeback for that.
2: That's right. All right, you just get one more before we wrap up here. Evan, your final chirp.
0: I'm going to go simple. You suck at hockey. Just right to the point. It doesn't take a lot of thought. Just you suck at hockey. It's just right to the point. I do like it that one. Some, and it hits home, and it does what it has to do.
1: Yep. It's another one like,
2: what are you supposed to say to that? Like, oh, you do too.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't, okay? I don't. So I like that one.
2: Right. Yeah. All right, Pat, your final chirp. i I've the heard mountain.
1: better chirps from a dead bird.
2: Oh. <laughs> Well done, well done. For the goaltender, I'm surprised neither one of you went with the, the Geico one. Hey, Tendy, switch to Geico, you'll save more. That's topical. And let's see, did, well, the Justin Bieber ones, it, at least it's Canadian. Your flow is worse than a Justin Bieber mixtape. That's all right. Anyway, I'm going to declare it a tie because that's the way all hockey games end. No, I'm just kidding. Congratulations to you both chirping and not swearing once. That's not easy to do. Back to you, Evan, to wrap things up.
0: Yeah, I was going to say with chirps, there's some dangerous ones that that weren't on there. Thank God. Yes. Uh, Yep. But I'll have to remember these. My men's league games sometimes get a little heated, so (laughs) I'll have to remember some of those chirps. I'll keep like a quarterbacks on their arm have the plays. (laughs) Yes. I'll have the little pamphlet with chirps. Just oh, I'll remember to say that next shift. You know. Yeah. Get
2: get the flip model so you can double the amount of chirps. Yeah. Exactly.
0: It's like a binder on my hand.
2: Right.
1: I, I was the worst. I was always yapping from the bench. And if I was actually on the ice in the heat of the moment, I'd like 10 minutes later be like, man, I should have said that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's the best one. I mean, that's the, like it's exact, I'd have that's every if I wasn't
1: now. actually in it. If I wasn't actually in it, I'd have them ready. But
0: yeah, it's, it's I'm, I'm telling you players that can dish out awesome chirps and play really well. Impress me because to be able to do like a million things at once like that. And still be nasty. Like, I, I respect that so much. I was not one of those people, so. Yeah, um, it's like
1: the ultimate mic drop.
0: It is, yeah. To know to remember that in the moment and then score a goal or, like, make a yeah, nice Yeah, bury play, one right
1: in his face, yeah.
0: I respect the heck out of it. Or who was it? Was it Radko Gudas last year for the Florida Panthers, who after the Panthers scored the OT winner? He did something to the Toronto goalie. I forget what he did, but he went, like, right up and I, I, he got the gut in his, like, screamed in his face. That was what it was. It was screamed in his face. That's not so much a chirp. It's just. What like, did he say? Uh, I wonder
2: what he said. Yeah,
0: I don't even said anything. He just was like, "Yeah," like right in his <laughs> face, like I- like inches from his cage. So that was good. Yeah, we kind of covered everything here. I like the chirps. I like the draft format. Yeah, it's of overtime, that works.
2: I'm gonna have to keep getting creative because yeah, you might have to be drafting the best NHL goons coming up next. That'd be, that'd be yeah, right. <laughs> that could work. We we'll yeah, could see. do
0: it. Well, anyways, we got a lot coming in the next couple of weeks. This might be our busiest couple of weeks of the year in terms of prep, playoff coverage, MIA playoff coverage, end of the regular season, look backs at the season when it's over. Um, so lots to come on the girls' side, on the boys' side, lots coming. And as always, that's been this episode of RinkWise. That's Patrick Donnelly. I'm Evan Marinofsky. Rinkwise Siemens Media Production. We will see you next time and have a great rest of your week.